Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Okay, you guys, I am so excited this week because I have Miss Katie Matuski from Entropy Organized. She is the founder of that organization who is here to chat with us about how to make our lives more organized, yes, as moms, and get more done, yes, but also more productive and to help us figure out how to really, in our brains, delineate the things that we kind of have to get done day-to-day-to-day and the things that we actually want to do in our lives and how to make room for those things. So Katie, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be able to hang out and talk about this today. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So tell me first and foremost, and tell us about just who you are, like, how'd you get here? How'd you develop Entropy Organized? Because I think it's really fascinating to just hear people's stories. Sure. So I actually started working in the productivity space about eight years ago, before I even started Entropy Organized. I was working as a consultant for some corporate clients. And then about four years ago, I started taking private clients and actually opened Entropy Organized and made it a thing. But I think that, you know, for me, it's always been a very deep interest, productivity and time and attention management and sort of You know, I was that kid that when I would clean my room, you know, I would take everything out of the room, (laughs) like burn it to the ground and start over like, you know, and so I think that I just naturally always was inclined to be organized and, and kind of get everything exactly the way it needed to be. I always wanted to max my time and my space. So that's cool. I mean, it's I've been doing it my whole life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but then but then you worked in like a day job and you did this as like mm-hmm. a side hustle for a while too. Yes, yeah. Well, be, you know, because I have a mortgage. <laughs> so I, you know, I that. love those people that are like, yeah, you know, they're 25 and they're like, I threw care to the wind and I went out on my own. And I'm like, you don't have a mortgage. That's not right. that scary. <laughs> right. And so yeah, I, I did. I built Entropy Organized nights and weekends. I actually, in order to make it work, what I did was I took a later shift at my day job. So I would work like 11 to 7.30, sort of like mid shift. And then all morning, I would get up at like five in the morning and from five to 11, I'd work on my business. And so that was kind of the the turning point when I started doing that and sort of prioritizing my business first, that really helped me build Entropy Organized. But to be honest, like it's still a journey. Like I still needed a couple of business coaches just to figure out what I was doing and how to make it profitable enough to actually walk away from the day job. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We could do a whole episode on that. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, right? Because it's, it's the same for modern mommy doc, just because maybe you have the information that you are the expert on to share with other people. You don't have anything. If you don't have a business degree, you don't know how to actually make it so that this is something that's sustainable or something that actually makes money for you over time or, you know, allows you to do the work to serve the people that you want to serve. 
for sure. Yeah. I mean, neither one of us went to business school, right? I got a communications degree. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like I knew how to organize and be productive, but if I had to put together a marketing campaign, we were in trouble. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So there must have been some passion inside of you if you were doing this day job, you wanted to do this on your own. The work that you were doing before, was it also organizational related or was it completely different? Yeah. So it's, you know, it was interesting because even at my day job, they were sourcing me constantly for testing. So even though I worked, you know, among five, it was a huge corporation. So I worked among like 500 people that had the same kind of job I did, but like they would pull me for meetings and to test software and to run workflows by me because they picked up, I think like year three, I started to get a little more outspoken about things that I was noticing about our processes. And the company has been around for God, like 90 years there, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're still stuck in like 1990s office land. And so I started to speak up and they started to pull me. And and that was when I really started to gain a lot of experience and sort of work outside my role in, and be able to help them with their processes and their workflows and how they were handling customer issues and things like that. So it was a good experience. And I think that was when I first started to realize that I could do this on my own. The turning point for me though, because a lot of people, I think the question is, well, why did you do it? Mm-hmm. I had a good job, good health insurance. They paid me well. And, and the truth is because the way that their model was working, I was trading my hours for dollars. So I was working 50 hours a week. And I knew that if we wanted to have kids, like there was no way that my husband's a workaholic. He owns his own business. Like we were never going to be able to, to swing it. And, and now, you know, eight years later, I've gotten to a point where I really only have to work like two to three hours a day. And that to me was like the dream. <laughs> that was where we totally. wanted to be you know, and still make the same income. Yeah, totally. And doing the work that you actually really care the most about, right? I mean, I think that that makes a huge difference. I mean, I just think for for mamas who are listening, right? Like, because I know a lot of moms maybe do do a day job that maybe isn't their thing that they want to do forever and ever. And they're dreaming and thinking about what would be maybe an outside opportunity for them or a thing that they want to pursue. And sometimes I think that feels really untangible. I know it did for me for a really long time. Like I have no idea what that looks like. And thinking about just, yeah, if I could get what are, what is my actual goal or what is my actual dream to get to? Like for me, it's to be able to drop my kids off at school, pick them up at the end of the day, hang with them at the end of the day. And then during the time that I'm working to do stuff that doesn't even feel like it's work. Like, and I don't mean that like I don't work hard, but like I'm excited about it 90% of the time versus 10% of the time. Right. Absolutely. You know, there's so many pieces there. I mean, the first is that I believe that women go through like five identity crises throughout their lives. (laughs) Like you are a daughter and then you're a wife and then you're a mother. And like, you have to keep reinventing yourself and sort of expanding what you can fit into your life. But I think too, parenthood is, is the biggest one. I think that's the one where women really start to think beyond sort of what their, you know, initial career and financial goals were. And they start to think about, well, what is the impact? You know, now more than ever, if you're a mother, you know, the days are short, are long and the years are short, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. no... It, it time will pass you by and and you want to you know look back at your life and know that you made an impact and that the work you did mattered to people and i think that you know is a big driver for me i i don't want to i wasn't born to work pay bills and die right like right 
there's got to be something more. And I think that when you work in your magic, when you're finally in that place that you can embrace what you're really good at and enjoy your work and not feel like you're a slave to the nine to five, like that really does shift your quality of life. And it's a good example for your children. I, I think that just work in general is changing in our society. And it's good for our kids to see, you know, different ways of doing things. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think about that a ton in a bunch of different ways about my kids, right? And I don't I don't want people to walk away from this like I have to be perfect or my kids are watching me constantly, so I better do it like exactly right the first time. But I think about that even like if my husband, you know, in front of my kids, if I asked him to do something like go, you know, get an insurance card off the table and he gave me attitude. I mean, that's the first thing I say thing I say back to him. It's like, what do you want our kids to expect from their partners as they get older. Yeah. I think that's super powerful well, for that's, us. That's changing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All you know, like I yes. can't tell you how many like friends that I have that are moms that like their husbands do all the cooking. And I'm like, right. how did you get that deal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, a lot of hard work, Katie. Yes, no, no, yeah. no, no. My, I mean, I, we could we could bag on guys all day. My my husband's an awesome guy who wants to contribute, but it is really interesting how when you look through things through the lens of what do I want my kids to be like when they're older, that helps me reflect on. Well, then, man, I better live it right now because I don't have yeah. until I'm eighty to figure this out. You know? Yeah. And they're soaking everything in. Yeah. <laughs> everything the good the bad they're watching. <laughs> they're watching me i know all right cool so let's get into it with the productivity stuff and i just want you to walk me through your system first about the tasks and responsibilities thing cuz i think that is huge like dividing that in your mind so you're not stuck in like laundry land constantly yeah, yeah. So this was a big shift for me. And it's one of those things that like, even when we do live workshops, when you describe it to people, it's like all of a sudden there's a light bulb because we've never been taught to handle our to-do list, right? We are taught to, you know, dump everything into a list and just try to get as many of those tasks done as possible, (laughs) right? That's how they tell you to get things done. And that is not at all how you should look at, at the tasks in your life because everything that you do can be divided into two different categories. It's either a project or a responsibility. And the way that you can identify them is projects have like a defined end. You do them once and then they're finished and they fall off your plate and you feel magical because you've just done something, right? Like sending the Christmas cards or, you know, canning jam for your summer, you know, harvest from your garden. But when you're looking at you know, sort of what you're spending your time on, a large majority of the tasks that you can be doing tend to be what we call responsibilities. And these are the things that never end and they never fall off your plate. So you can, laundry is like the perfect example because you can do every ounce of laundry in your house. And I do this, you know, Sunday I walk around, I've got every pillow, every blanket, every towel, you know, like everything Mm -hmm. is washed. And by Tuesday, the hampers are full again. And you're like, I have to do laundry again. And so learning to identify that like, the laundry will never end. You are never done doing laundry, right? So like when you can finally understand that, it makes so much more sense to assign it a time and a place in your schedule. And some weeks you'll get to it and others you won't. 
But like being able to consciously decide that and just understand, you know what, we're not getting to the laundry this week. And that's okay, because I have to ship these three projects. You know, that's good enough. And and being able to kind of free yourself from that is is life changing. (laughs) It really helps you give yourself some grace because you're, you know, who has a perfectly clean house? Like, no one's right. going to die if you don't do laundry for a week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I love it because when I, when I heard you, when I first heard you say that, I, it was a light bulb thing for me too. Like, wow, it is about literally putting things in their place. Like putting something that really has no value for your life long-term other than you don't want to be a slob. Like you, you have to do it, but it doesn't have a value like as in it's going to move you forward in your career, even in your family or anything like that. It just is like a part of life. But I mean, I put a post on my Instagram that said, you know, washing laundry, washing 24 hours, drying 24 hours, folding four to seven business days, right? And like (laughs) people went ballistic for it. They thought it was so funny, but it's because it's true. Because when you don't have a time and place for it, it just like erodes all of your time. And I don't know about for other mamas. But when I look at my laundry and it's sitting all around and I don't have a specific time to do it, then it's like it clutters my vision. It's haunting your cognitive load, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like constantly there. Like, oh, I got to do that. 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 Because well, you don't want to like forget. That's your brain, right? So your brain's like, oh. okay, we got to do laundry. We got to do laundry. We got to do laundry. And I'm like, brain we'll do it on Sunday. It's fine. (laughs) But like what you're really getting at is those responsibilities. Another way to look at them are these are the standards you set for yourself. And for me as a recovering perfectionist, as someone that grew up with a very like narcissistic mother, she Mm. was like a psycho about being clean. So like everything in the house, like you could not have a dish in the sink. And so I grew up with these very like unrealistic expectations that my house was always going to be clean like that. And, you know, no matter how good your habits are, there's no way, like, mm-hmm. unless you're obsessive compulsive, like you literally are never going to be able to have a perfectly clean house. And so a lot of the times what we find when we work with people is the standards that they've set for themselves are actually standards that they've like inherited from other people or their life experiences. And they may not even really care as much <laughs> if they're honest, they just never stop to really like get clear on what was going on. Oh, that's so good. And that they felt like they're guilty. Like it's like someone else's guilt yeah. that's on them to complete this task. Right. Like your mother about. is still haunting you in your head. You're alone in your house. No one can see you, but you're thinking like, oh, if somebody walked in and saw this mug right now, you know, it's like, why? You think they don't have mugs in their sink? Yeah. Like, come on. Like it's no. Yeah. But that's the other thing is like freeing yourself from these expectations that like you didn't even necessarily set yourself, but you like somehow believe you have to uphold them. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. Honestly, that is true too. When my mom comes to my house, she gets freaked out that there is like a pile of laundry that's <laughs> sitting there. She's like, I would attack this right now. And I tell her, please don't, because if you, unless you're planning on completing the entire task, you're going to fold right. it, you're going right. to put it away in all their drawers. Then now I just have like another thing that I don't have like a time in my mind of where I'm going to be doing this. So I already have it set. Like this is the time I'll fold it. This is the time I will wash it, all that good stuff. Okay. And then you talk also though about not being like blind to the fact that those things do take up time. 
So like putting all of those things first on a schedule before you put in the projects that you want to have. Tell people more about that. So the way, so the way people typically do time blocking, right. And I've seen this a lot where they're like three day work week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're like blocking out like three days where they have like 10 hours to work. And it's like, I guess another way to look at it is the rock pebble sand analogy. So like (laughs) rocks are like your non-negotiables. So those are the things like your commute to the office, you know, Mm -hmm. your actual work hours, if you have a day job, your kid time. So like if you have kids, the worst thing you could possibly do is try to do anything before you take care of your children, (laughs) get them up, get them fed, bathe them, comb their hair deal with all their needs first. That's rock, right? Because if you don't, they're going to interrupt you 800 times. So just do that now, then go get the things that you want to get done, like your work and stuff after you've kind of managed their needs for the morning. But really, you know, what that comes down to is when you actually put all this on your schedule, the first thing you're going to realize is how much time it's taking you. The second thing is you need to reevaluate your standards right? Because if you're an entrepreneur and a mother, there is no freaking way that you're going to have 30 hours a week to clean your house. It's just not going to happen. And so then after you've kind of reevaluated, well, how important is this? Or does this need to be done every single week? Can we do it every other? You know, what can we do? You know, once all that stuff's on your schedule, that's when you actually see the amount of space you have left for projects. That's when you actually can tell. And that's why like a lot of productivity experts are like, well, what's your top three? It's like, because your to-do list never ends. In reality, your work never ends. There comes a point where you just have to give yourself a hard stop. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's that's what this is. It's like, well, what are you actually spending your time on? And and that's why, you know, especially for parents, because one, it's like before you're a parent, you have all the time in the world. You just don't know it. You feel like you don't have time. Oh, yes. but like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh! If I could go back in time, yeah. I would have solved world hunger. Like, I mean, I had so much time. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing they don't talk about is not only does this this time constraint have a financial aspect on you, but it actually is an emotional aspect. Like looking into your child's eyes, knowing they're the last one to get picked up from school that day because you were running late. Like that's the stuff that like kills you. And so you have to get like really clear on, you know, what are my priorities? I get 18 years with these kids. And the other crazy thing about time and family structures is you spend, They, I think they figured out like when you actually calculate the number of days you spend with your children from one to 18 or zero to 18, you're spending 90% of the time you will ever spend with them. And then once they're adults, that's, you know, way less. Like there are some people that see their parents twice a year. And so like, you have to find a way And this is where work-life balance really becomes a really disturbing conversation because that does not mean 50% of your time at work, 50% of your time with your kids. Like, you know, you get 18 years to to really hang out with them, get to know who they are, watch them grow up. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you're going to have more time to yourself again. But you want to prioritize those 18 years. It's okay if the house is a mess. Just, you know, spend every morning with your kids, go to every sporting event because, And, you know, when you do that and parents know this, like the first six years, your productivity dips like 30%. It's really, really hard when your kids are little because they need so much from you. But then parents versus non-parents in the workplace, once your kids are like school age, your productivity is actually higher for the rest of your life compared to people that don't have children because your children are like almost torturing you into it. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's like a military training. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's like military training for time management. And so then like, it, you know, this does serve you and you, you over the course of your lifetime will be more productive because you were a parent. But it's just, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's showing up for both things. It's showing up for work and showing up for your kids in a way that, you know, when you look back on that year, you're going to feel really good about how you spent it. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing is, if you get the stuff that you need to get done, done in an efficient manner, and like, again, like put it in its place, have it be in its own little box, and you understand how many things you actually have on your list or on your week that you have set up for yourself, again, those expectations, and you're able to release like, well, then I don't need to do that that thing's not actually going to serve me. And yes, it might make me feel more, more productive. That's not the right word, but like more, I've completed more tasks. I've checked more things on top of things, things. but in the end, you're going to end up feeling like run ragged and not actually have something to show for it. Like either a relationship that's better to show for it, a relationship with other people, a relationship with yourself to show for it that you feel like, yeah, wow, great. I took care of myself this week (laughs) or anything to show for it in terms of a big project or a big dream that you're working toward. You will just have the laundry folded. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you get it. And, and that's the, and the, so the difference though, for your cognitive load and your sanity is consciously deciding not to do it. Right. So that's why it's so important to actually map out how you're spending your time during the week and like really figure out what you want to get done. Because if you make all those decisions in the beginning of the week, okay, laundry's just on hold this week. (laughs) We're going to delegate dishes to the husband for the next three days. Here's what's going on with lunches. Then the rest of that week, you don't feel guilty. You don't feel stressed because you understand why that stuff's not getting done. And that's the big shift you have to make. Mm hmm. Yes, 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 yes. That it's not just something that happens to you. It's something that you're deciding that how you want it to be. Yeah, I love that. Hi, Mama. Guess what? Our book, The New Baby Blueprint, is out in the world. We're so excited because we know it's going to help change the new motherhood experience. The bump said, they say motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but the new baby blueprint comes pretty close. You can find it wherever books are sold or check it out at modernmommydoc.com forward slash book. And I, you know, and I think the thing too, like, let's talk about elephant in the room in terms of then when you want to be productive is I see so many moms and I do this myself too, when I'm not like really being mindful about it is that I will try to get work done when my kids are around as opposed to deciding, okay, it is better for me to have my kids be with someone else being taken care of while I try to accomplish something so that I don't feel like I'm divided or conflicted all the time while I'm doing the work and so that I can actually concentrate on it and not have so many interruptions and get it done faster. So for example, this morning we're taping a podcast my husband happens to be with me now. He was supposed to be gone today. And so, you know, my plan was to have someone or was, was to have him here with me while I could do this and go like out to the car and be completely undistracted to take this podcast because I knew that if I have my kids running in here and I'm looking at them like, oh, honey, hold on, it'll just be a second. I can't even concentrate on the words that I'm saying. I can't concentrate on what I'm doing. I can't prep for this effectively. So 
I think just being honest with ourselves, it's okay to have your kids be watched by somebody else while you accomplish tasks that are important to you or or work on projects that are important to you. I guess that's probably the better way to say it in the name of you actually getting it done faster, getting it done better and not feeling completely conflicted the entire time. Right. And and you've nailed it. So, so the, the thing is, you know, and I, I'm an elder millennial. I I grew up with stay at home moms. I remember Mm -hmm. those days where we all played outside (laughs) all day long and your mom was on the phone all day with her friends. And like, it was a different time. The world has Mm -hmm. changed. (laughs) Okay. People now we're in a place where, you know, the cost of living is, is such that most families cannot afford to have a stay at home parent. You as a human being probably require more than just motherhood to feel like a whole human. And like, you haven't completely lost your identity. And I think that you know, unfortunately, because we grew up with one reality and now we're living in another, it becomes very, very difficult to understand like, no, we actually do need childcare probably four hours a day if I want to work for four hours a day. And it, what it comes down to is time and attention management. It's being able to not have to split your attention constantly throughout the day. Like, your kids when they're little, like they're not going to get it. They don't understand that you just need to be left alone to work. And you're going to never really be present at work if you feel like you always have to keep one eye on them and making sure that they're fed and that they have everything that they need. And I think that, you know, there there is going to have to come a point where women today are going to have to embrace the fact that it doesn't make you a bad mother. It doesn't mean that <laughs> you somehow are less of a mother because you cannot do three things at once. It just means that you're really honest about what you're doing right now. You're intentional. So like right now you're going to do this podcast. And I'm pretty sure as soon as you hang up with me, you're going to go hang out with your kids and they're going to get more of you because you're going to be present. And right. that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I want to make two little, you know, points or caveats because I know a one, not every single person can afford childcare and that's, you know, all the time or a lot of childcare and man, Lord knows with COVID stuff that's going on, childcare costs have just gone through the roof for people in terms of their monthly budget. And so if you are at home working with your kids I think just giving yourself then that extra bit of grace that when you're feeling really divided with your attention and you're not able to get as much work done for this season or for this week or for these months or for this year, like, okay, well then that's all right. I think you just have to come to grips with like, that's why is because your brain literally cannot do 80 billion things at once. The American Academy of Pediatrics asked me for my upcoming book about being a working mom to include a section about working from home and with your kids and how to do it well. And I kind of laughed because I thought I can definitely write down tips and tricks for like, okay, get your kids snacks before you go into your zoom meeting, put out some like coloring activities. When you have your most important meeting, maybe that's the time when screen time for the day is when you should use it. Yeah. But I know like, that's not actually like the answer long-term. The answer long term is actually to figure out a way so that your time is actually divided effectively. Right. So, anyway, I just want to throw that out there because I know some people are really struggling with that. So, I don't want people to feel extra guilty like they can't afford the childcare or whatnot at this moment. No, but there are two ways that parents typically solve that problem. The first Mm -hmm. is they trade. So, you may not be able to afford childcare, but a lot of parents that are working, they will trade with other working parents. So, like, you know, 
I watch your kids for four hours while you get work done. And then the second half of the day, you watch my kids and I get work done. So that's something we see. The other thing that has been happening for years is what they call the third shift. So as soon as your kids go to bed, parents go back into the office and they get another couple hours of work done. And actually, interestingly, what research has shown us and is when they've talked to parents that do this, the income difference between people that do that, they go back into the office and they close out the day with just another hour or two of work after their kids are in bed is huge. Like that is one of the biggest differences between parents that are working that make six figures and parents that don't is that extra hour or two at the end of the night. You know what? I am a third shift genie, man. I love the third shift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's the only time I actually, when I first started coaching, I worked with a woman who's amazing. She like lives up in Alaska and she is a teacher. She actually was from Iowa and she moved to Alaska. She was a teacher for the indigenous people up there. She lived in a tiny village. And I remember like, not only did she have to care for her kids, but like pretty much all the village's children (laughs) while she was teaching and stuff. And she literally got her PhD and wrote her first book on that third shift. So like she lit- yeah. she and I would have meetings at like two in the morning because that's when she had time and she she got it done. Like it, you'd be amazed what you can do when you're intentional. So if she tried to write that book while she was trying to do dinner, like that was never going to work. She just had to figure out a way to, sh- to shift things around. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's like your whole life in terms of you getting enough sleep and, you know, you relaxing and sometimes watching like Netflix, like with your boo, right? Like, I mean, have, take, take a break, you guys, like, it's okay to not yeah. constantly be working at night, but there are times there are seasons, like for me during a launch for something, or if I really know something is time sensitive, it just has to get done. That then throughout the day, I'll spend time writing down, like if it comes, if something comes to my mind, I'll spend time just like, oh, jot it down. Okay. That's something that needs to happen on the third shift. And then third shift, that's when I get really organized and get really productive. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and actually, so interestingly, when we're talking about leisure, Netflix actually doesn't help your brain unwind. So what we have found is purposeful leisure. So if you have a sport that you do, or if you are learning a new language, so it's something that you're using your brain, but for something different than your work, that is what actually is helping you relax and unwind. So if you and your partner could go work out together three times a week or something like that, that actually is better for you and your brain and your health than just sitting on the couch watching Netflix, even though you feel more relaxed probably when you watch Netflix. But that's another thing to consider is, you know, even being purposeful about your leisure. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there are some nights, let's be real, that Netflix is just going to have to be what it is, I think, for a lot of moms. And that's just <laughs> right. Like, you guys, <laughs> yeah. and like, you live your life, watch your Netflix. <laughs> like, But you're absolutely yeah. right. But, you know, sitting and watching a sunset, reading a book that you want to read, jumping on your little exercise bike, doing some like video yoga at home, or just talking to a friend on the phone for 30 minutes, you know, is, yeah, is for your brain going to be more energizing and and helping you. Or you could join the Mama Reset Retreat with us, which Katie is a part of, who (laughs) we're going to have actually, it's going to be pretty cool. We're excited about it. It's coming out at the end of the month and it is going to be all about how to just reset. So we're giving you all these practical tools like what Katie is talking about here, but then also doing some mindfulness activities throughout it, little extra Pilates there. So giving some breaks. 
Talk to me then about this idea of goal-based or project-based or outcome-based task lists or to-do lists. Because you talk yeah. about your stuff about <laughs> not just like writing stuff down, like, okay, here's all the things I need to do. That needs to be specific. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, the, the first problem with the way that most people write their to-do list is it's too vague. So if you say deep, clean garage, your brain like cannot even comprehend all the tiny things you're going to have to do to deep clean the garage. So you put it off. And so what we say is, well, actually, you should be breaking that down into the things that are going to be composed of cleaning the garage. So instead, you should say, okay, you know, if you think about it, like, all right, you know, the first thing I need to do is I have to get rid of all the cans of paint. (laughs) Right. So now you have to call waste management to figure out how you're supposed to dispose of the cans of paint because you don't want to be an environmentally unfriendly human. And then you've got the refrigerator that you need to recycle, but you know, maybe the utility company stopped recycling them. So now you have to figure out what you're going to do with that. And so your brain immediately starts to like panic when you just say clean garage, cause it can't comprehend. <laughs> and so you have to like specifically list out, like call waste management and find out what to do with the paint. Do you, you know, find out where we're going to recycle the refrigerator, go to this website, you know, and you have to kind of like list those very specific things. And then once you do, it's like all of a sudden your brain can deal with it. It's like, okay, yeah, let's just make this phone call. We'll handle this. We'll do that. But if you, if you're too vague, your brain can't figure out what you're actually doing. And so you have to always list it as like a tangible action instead of like a goal. (laughs) Like the goal is to clean the garage, but that's not the tangible actions that you're taking. And so that's, that's a huge shift that if you, if you start doing it that way, it becomes very, very clear what you're actually doing and how long these things will take you. Like if you just say clean garage, you can go into the garage and you can be cleaning for (laughs) three days and still not be done because you don't have that specific list of like the, the must get done things to clean the garage. Like what are the really big things we need to get out of here? So that that's one part of it. And then also like really understanding how to prioritize, like, you can pull your to-do list for the day, but then circle like, what are the things that must get done? And then is anything like something I can veto for the day? You know, right. it's, it's being intentional about how much you're forcing yourself to do every single day. Yeah, for sure. I like that idea of breaking it down. I feel like that makes things less daunting. And then also, you know, for those of us who love to like mark the checky box, it <laughs> there's more little checky boxes yes. to box <laughs> to mark. So you know, that is that will feed into your like sense of, you know, you've accomplishment throughout the day. But yeah, I think also it just yeah, it allows it to not be this huge like Here's this huge project that will never get done. And that at the end of the day, if I think I've heard you talk about on other presentations, like, you know, if you say, I'm going to do social media today for my company, let's say you're the social media person, marketing person for your company. I'm going to do some social media today. Like, well then at the end of that, how, at the end of the hour that you have, will you feel like you actually got anything done? Because what were your actual outcomes that you're hoping for? Right. Right. And, and so instead of saying, I'm going to work on social work, working on is like the kiss of death <laughs> for productivity. If your to-do list says work on, you're in trouble. So instead, it, you know, that social media manager needs to go into the office and sit down and say, okay, we're going to do 10 Instagram grid posts, five Instagram stories, three Facebook posts. Like, and when you give yourself that tangible list of deliverables, 
you walk out of the office, not only did you do everything that you really had to do, but you're like, all right, I just got 30 posts done. I feel super accomplished, right? It's a totally different shift in how you're spending your time. But also, you know, for parents, like this is again, what you were talking about being like really clear on what you have to get done and then being able to walk away because you got it done. If you didn't have that list, you might stay in that office for six hours because you just feel like you haven't done enough or you're still working on it. (laughs) The work will never end. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really true. And I think that allows you to block out times where you have no work that you have to get accomplished. I think what, like when you're talking about mapping out your day where you're able to say, okay, for these five hours, I'm doing nothing. I'm doing only stuff with my kids. I'm only, yes. I'm going to be a hundred percent present or I'm doing only stuff that's for me, you know, whatever, because you've said, okay, here were the 10 things I needed to accomplish in order to feel good about getting to that spot. And then if you can do that and then say, okay, later on, here's the other 10 things I need to accomplish. It allows your brain to have the break to say, you're good. You did it. Yeah. Well, and also like, so in, in that realm, another thing to consider is leaving white space in your schedule. So like another thing that people do is they plan every minute of their day and you might've planned to have five hours with your family, but then something happens where... (laughs) you know, hours noon through two go out the window and then you're eating into your family time. And so that is another thing. Like if you are someone that works with other human beings, you may need to pad 10, 20, 30% of your day with some white space. CEOs do this all the time because you just never know who's going to knock on your door with something they need you to address. Mm-hmm. Another thing is really understanding the difference between a true emergency and just someone else feeling like something is urgent for you to do. That's another big one. Like just because it lands on your desk right now doesn't mean that's actually the most important thing for you to do. It might be very important for the person asking you to help them. But at the end of the day, if you know what your priorities are and what you have to get done, you may need to defer some things negotiation is a huge one. Like teaching women to say, well, I can't do X, but I can do Y. That will change your life. Like, you know, Whitney, can you bring cookies through the school bake scale? You know what? I can't bake them, but I can pick some up from Jewel on my way. Is that good with you? Like, you you, you know, because then you're not saying no. Women have a really hard time with no, because we believe that it somehow makes us mean or insensitive or selfish. And I have a whole theory on where that comes from. But I I think that learning to negotiate everything that is not originally on your to-do list will really save your sanity. Yes. Yes. I mean, that is just about having a personal boundaries, right? Like my time, I have to understand its value. Like I have to understand my value and I have to understand my time's value. And I think it's really hard for us as women. I agree with you. I think based off a, a variety of factors in the world and in our own families of origin and and generations that came before us. But this ability to say, this is the way this will work for me. If I'm going to do it, this is the way that it needs to be so that it fits within my schedule, even within things that are like heartstring things, right? Things like I need to go visit my grandma who has Alzheimer's and she's, you know, 95 and she's not going to really remember this, but it's important to me. And it's a thing I want to have as part of my memories and my kids' memories and all that. Because it's not something that's going to be part of your like life mission of this is my like 
huge career goal or even my, my goal with my family, it still is an important thing, but it still has to work for you. It can't be in the middle of your week when you have 80 billion other things going on if you're not going to be able to be present there. So if someone asks you to say like, hey, can you come to grandma's on Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. and that doesn't work for you, being able to, like you're saying, negotiate, which I think sounds like a funny word to people in this context, but it is that is what we're doing to say... I do want to go see grandma and it's really important to me. And here is the way that that would work for me and my crew to make it so that it's as enjoyable as possible. And it doesn't make me feel conflicted. Yeah. Like, you know what? I can't do lunch in the middle of the day, but I can bring her donuts and have coffee with her for an hour before I, you know, kick into all the errands I need to run or something like, and I think this is like, you know, as women, especially like we are not typically taught to negotiate as children. And it really doesn't serve us. Like (laughs) we really need to know how to be able to say, well, I can't do this, but I can do that. And, And really, you know, leverage what's going on. And the other thing too, is like, we're often asked to help other parents and sort of being able to recognize the difference between a parent that's just having a couple of bad weeks and a parent that like asking you for help is becoming like a habit (laughs) and they're starting to expect that you will always be able to help them before they even ask you, like, you know, being able to identify those people and sort of heading it off and saying, you know what, you know, I've noticed the last four weeks you've had to work late you know, I would never want to be in a position where I would have to say don't know to you, but I can't promise that I'm always going to be able to pick Johnny up from school. Have you, you know, talked to your boss about figuring out a different way to do a schedule? Or have you looked at like alternative people just in case for some reason I can't do this one week, I would hate for Johnny to be stranded. You know, you always want to paint it where it's like, you're worried about them and you're helping them and you're concerned about what they need. But, you know, you're also kind of sending that standard, like, I I can't be your fallback you know, hundred percent of the time, there has to be some, some other thing you need to figure out here. And I think parents don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, no. I, so, I mean, I love it because we started out talking about organizing, about productivity, about efficiency and ladies, it all comes back to valuing ourselves, valuing our time, being intentional, being mindful, and really like standing up for the little kid inside of us, right? <laughs> to say like, yeah. hey, this is what I this is what I'm feeling. This is what I need. This is the best way to make it work for me. And that that's not selfish at all. That just allows you in the end to give more to people, to your family, to other people around you in a way that doesn't make you feel resentful or make you feel conflicted or make you feel like you never accomplished anything that you wanted to in your life. Yeah. Katie, I am so glad that you were here with us today. And you guys for sure check out the Mama Reset Retreat, which she's a part of, but also just check out Katie and all of her work. Will you tell us where to find you on the web? Yeah, you know, just go to Instagram.com. My handle is Katie Matuski, and we talk all about different topics regarding productivity and organization. You know, I mostly focus on business owners, but if you ever have a question, just DM me. Awesome. <laughs> <I'm> around. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You guys, it is here. Our new programs have landed. They're at modernmommydoc.com. We're so excited about them because we've just been thinking about how could we provide more accessible, 
digestible information for mamas out there who really want to elevate their motherhood experience. And so we have four programs now at Modern Mommy Doc. The first is taking care of you and your newborn, which is all about helping to prepare yourself or taking care of yourself and your baby in the first month of life. And then parenting in partnership, which is about how to work as a team with a co-parent to really make sure that you are on the same page and working strongly together and making the best possible environment for your kiddos to thrive. The third is the Mama Reset at home retreat, which is really cool. It is a collection of experts who are there to provide you with a chance to reconnect with yourself, to recenter, to think about what you want and your motherhood experience, but then also to give you some practical applications within the actual time we have together. So opportunities for journaling, for gentle movement, for learning all about nutrition, really hands-on practical applications, but then also a chance to have some mindfulness there in the moment. And then finally, navigating and regulating children's big emotions, which we know is a big one for mamas. We're all still working on that one. And so we are providing in that program a lot of extra help about how to take care of our own emotions as we parent, and then also how to meet kids where they are and use really evidence-based strategies to help our kids understand their emotions, to name their emotions, and then also when their emotions just get too big for them, how to help to calm their nervous systems and how to help them become the 35-year-olds that we hope that they will be. I hope you guys will join me. You can go to modernmommydoc.com for more information.